You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and this is episode number 944. There's a new era of marketing upon us. The time of reach, frequency, and campaign-oriented approaches is over. And if your business does not evolve into this new era, you may find yourself on the wrong side of history. I've invited author Robert Rose to discuss his latest book, Experiences, the Seventh Era of Marketing, to help you understand how to create experiences that will connect with your audience of prospects and clients. Robert, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Can we get a little bit of a sense for your background? Can Can you share with us a bit about your professional background? (laughs) <laughs> sure. Well, I don't know how professional I am, but uh, I'll, I'll certainly share some of my background for you. Um, I've been in marketing for oh, almost 30 years now, which is uh, I've got the gray hair to, to show for it. Um, and most of that time, quite honestly, spent the last, call it 20 years in digital, really growing up through the dot-com era and all of that. And started my uh, started my career in the TV business, actually, here in Los Angeles in Southern California, and grew up through the digital ranks, um, doing a lot on the ad agency side, doing a little bit uh, on the client side, mostly in the entertainment and media space, and really fell in love with both marketing content and telling stories through that experience and and what i just noticed at, over the last 15 years where i spent the first eight of the uh 2000s uh, as a cmo of a software company small software company here in 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 southern california was that there was a new sort of approach to marketing which was really driving a lot of success and it certainly found a lot of success for us and 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 I started falling in love with this idea of content really at the core creating customer experiences through content and really driving the success of marketing through that sort of um, really displacing what was traditional advertising PR and and other forms of campaign oriented marketing with this idea of content and really using that to leverage the business. And so the last six years, quite frankly, I left the, the startup that I was working for, joined up with this guy, Joe Polizzi, who uh, runs an organization called the Content Marketing Institute. And for the last six and a half, seven years, I've spent um, working with mostly larger organizations, some mid-sized and small businesses, helping them figure out how to operationalize this whole idea of storytelling, customer experiences, and content in their business. And that's one of the things that we're going to get to here a little bit in the interview is uh – bringing experience-based marketing to smaller businesses. But before we get there, uh, Robert, could you share with our audience the inspiration for making the commitment to writing their latest book? Sure. Well, there's, you know, truly it was was something that I've, sort of you know as i like to say we you know we say it uh, in the book carla johnson who is my co-author on the book and i say this but it's really this book was five and a half years in the making and about a year in the actual writing and and the five and a half years that were spent sort of visiting i mean at this point i've visited probably with 125 of the fortune 1000 um companies out there 
and looking at the challenges that they had, not only in the digital transformation, but just certainly in the disruption that's going on in marketing advertising more broadly. And this patterns that we started to notice were that those that were truly succeeding were creating valuable driven experiences for customers at all parts of the customer journey from the first time that there was an awareness issue to nurturing leads through a funnel, through some sort of shopping experience, and then ultimately even beyond that into increasing loyalty, decreasing customer churn rates, and all those kinds of things. So really the entirety of the customer journey was being optimized through the use of content as a strategic function in the business. And that's the real difference here is that as a strategic function, content doesn't really exist in most businesses. It's just sort of the thing that everybody does and nobody's really responsible for this idea of creating content across so many different channels that we have to do that. And the patterns that we were noticing really started to conglomerate and become this thing that we called content creation management, for lack of a better term. And that was really the inspiration was to take that new methodology of best practices and sort of wrap that around this idea of how do we start to operationalize this? How do we actually take this into our businesses and make it something real, make it something that we can actually execute against so that we can actually evolve into this new digital multi-channel, you know, audience fragmented world that we now live in? You, in your book, you talk about the need for marketing to really be a strategic imperative and the marketing departments and companies to be a part of the being willing to be brave enough to be a part of the strategy development for our company. Uh, can, can you share a little bit uh, kind of on your philosophy of what you've seen for successful <laughs> organizations where marketing departments have stepped up? Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, look, I'm a marketing guy, so I'm always empire building, right? I'm always, I'm always trying to grab power from, uh, from wherever I can. But um, in all honesty, what, the, what we see is, is that, you know, marketing truly, you know, I mean, Drucker said this 60 years ago, where he said, really, marketing is the defining, differentiating function in the business and everything else is a cost. And I truly believe that marketing over the last, call it 25 years, has really become in many ways, a segmented part of the business where it's really only focused in many cases on driving awareness and leads into the top of the funnel and hasn't really performed on its more historically uh, strategic function in the business. And what we talk about in the book is that if we are truly going to succeed as marketers in our career, we have to step up and become more strategic. And the digital transformation that's happened has really compelled marketers to handle much more of the customer journey. Therefore, if we're truly accepting our responsibility to handle that entirety of the customer journey, we've got to become business strategists as much as we are sort of advertising and communication strategists. And that really relates to everything we're doing from the creation of value through the top of the funnel all the way through to creating loyal evangelical customers throughout their, throughout their journey. But it takes a real transformation, quite frankly, in most marketing organizations to get the professionals to actually stand up, be willing to be responsible, be willing to be accountable, and quite frankly, get their seat at the big boy table. Right, because there's an associated risk with being at that table. Oh, absolutely right. I mean, CMO tenure is still going down. I mean, I think it's now less than 48 months is the average tenure of the, the, of a mid-sized and large organization CMO, chief marketing officer, and senior marketing leadership is certainly churning at a sim- similar rate. So, 
there's a real risk to not driving results. And look, we could do a whole hour on, you know, long-term investments and why companies in corporate America is so short-term focused these days on quarterly results and the idea of long-term investments into both product development, marketing development, and market development even is starting to disappear. But broadly speaking, if we look at it just from the marketing perspective, Marketers increasingly have to draw more and more results in a world, quite frankly, that's fragmenting and becoming harder and harder to reach those customers to begin with. Especially if you're using traditional methodology, which I kind of alluded to in the open. We're, we're going to take our first uh, break here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. We're with author Robert Rose. Robert, when we come back, I'd like to start with you defining the meaning behind your title and sort of the evolution of marketing as you and Carla have seen it. Can we can we start there when we come back? I'd be happy to do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss this next segment with Robert Rose. <laughs> but first, one commercial message from Critical Mass from me. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this word. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Rass Radio Show. Told you we'd be back quickly. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. Robert Rose is our guest. You know, all of our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guests' websites whose CEOs have appeared on our show. You know, since we started doing this radio show podcast in 2009, we've reached several hundred thousand listeners through our live stream here on octalkradio.net and our podcast. Simply type in these four words, Critical Mass Radio Show into your favorite podcasting software to find our weekly show. All right, Robert, when I uh, took the break, I said I was going to ask you to define the seventh era of marketing, the title of your latest book uh, with you and Carla. Could you take us kind of through the brief history lesson of marketing as you see it? Sure, absolutely. Well, so for those in your audience that actually didn't go to university for marketing, and, and increasingly that's a larger and larger number. I'll, you know, at, at conferences, I'll ask the number of people who actually went to university and, and and got a degree in marketing is, you know, just a very very decreasing number these days. We come from all walks of life, quite frankly, in the marketing function in business. But if you go to university, you learn about the five eras of marketing, which start, and each one of them are about. 20 to 30 years in duration, starting really in the late 1800s with the trade era where basically we made, crafted, or grew more stuff than we could could actually consume ourselves. So we sold the surplus of it in marketplaces. And that was really how we took our products and services to market was we made it. It's, you know, it's ours. It's artisanal. And so we're selling it to you. That moves us into the production era which really goes through the 1920s, and what happened, it was mass industrialization, right? So the Industrial Revolution happened, and we could mass produce things. And so the world became fascinated with science and technology and our ability to mass produce things, and that became the differentiator for us, how we took our products and services to market. We can make it. We can actually move it to different parts of the country or different parts of the state. Therefore, we are better. And then you move into uh, the sales era, 
which is really making the salesperson the focus of the business. And that was really how we went to market. And that was really signified by the Great Depression, the early 30s and into the late 30s and even into the 40s, where we saw really selling Dale Carnegie, you know, writing one of the most popular books of all time, How to Win Friends and Influence People, of course, was all about the aspirations of becoming a salesperson. As we move into the 40s, we move into what's called the marketing uh, department era, which is really when the marketing department was invented. It was when we invented the four Ps of product, place, price, and promotion. It's when we saw Don Draper and Madison Avenue rear its head up. We started talking about product as the aspiration, the product, and creating a positioning around that product was really the way that we took our products and services to market. Because quite frankly, production was commoditized after World War II. Anybody could produce any quantity of content. So it was really about making the product more than just a product on a shelf. This is the famous scene in Mad Men when Don Draper describes the uh, photo slide machine as a carousel of dreams. Mm. And then we move into the marketing company era, which was defined by brand. It wasn't good enough anymore for the product to be positioned. We actually had to position the company as being, you know, the one bringing you the product. The famous ad, if you remember, BASF, you know, we don't make the things you buy, we make the things you buy better. And it was all about the brand and brought to you by this worldwide global brand, which was really the driver of it, the flattening of the earth, if you like Thomas Friedman's metaphor there. And then that's really the five eras. And we move into what is most scholars will consider the sixth, which is really where we've been for the last 20 years, which is called the relationship era, really born in the early 1990s with, uh, I'll contend anyway, Dr. Martha Rogers and, and, and Don Peters uh, with their book, The One-to-One Future. Uh, which is a seminal work, I think, that really talked about the idea of CRM, customer relationship management, and using data gleaned by that relationship to make ourselves better. And we've seen it grow through the last 10 years anyway with social media, trying to develop relationships with customers through getting them to like us and follow us and develop relationships with them. And as that becomes more complicated these days, as the algorithms of social media really change the nature of what social media is, Carl and I are contending that we're moving into this new era, the seventh era of marketing, which is really, we define experiences, developing compelling customer experiences outside of the product and service we put into the marketplace as a means of differentiating our business in it. And why is the audience interested in experiences that are created by your brand and your company why does that resonate yeah it's you know increasingly and there are actually research studies to show this where um you know whether you're a millennial and this is the highest percentage of them young people really or whether you're a baby boomer or whether you're a gen x person like me you actually these days prefer buying experiences over products and services, and, and you can see it affecting the way product development happens, right? You don't just buy the Nike shoes anymore. You buy the Nike shoes because there's an app that comes with it that teaches you how to run better, monitors your stride, mo- monitors your pacing, and you know helps you become a better runner. You're buying the experience. You buy a John Deere tractor these days. John Deere has 27 different apps in the App Store that when you buy a tractor, now it comes along with a content-driven experience that helps you look at best practices from your peers, make you, you know, help you with real-time access to your farm, whether weather conditions, the actual mechanics of your tractor, so you can see in real time whether it's working good or not. These content-driven experiences are affecting the way that we actually add value to the products and services that we actually put into the marketplace. 
And so what's happening is is that as those experiences become – they proliferate out, of course they add value to the customer experience above where we actually buy. We start to see content and those experiences adding value to the customer's life even before they become a shopper or a buyer or a helps them become more precluded to basically buying our product or service before they actually know that they need it. The classic example of this is you look at something like Lego, right? So there's a movie now called the Lego movie. Mm-hmm. And the Lego movie is a content-driven experience um, that really drives what? The sale of Lego products. But it's an entertaining, wonderful movie in and of its own right. And what I love about what they did with the Lego movie is they didn't go to Hollywood and say, spill out a box of toys and say, make a movie out of this. <laughs> they actually said, make the movie you want to make. Go make, a, go make the best movie you can possibly make, and we'll make the toys to match whatever resonates with audiences. And that's the new world in which we live where – Getting the attention and holding the attention from audiences is actually more difficult in many cases than product development itself. John Deere has been uh, a company that's believed in this content marketing strategy for a long time. I, I think I learned from you and Joe on your podcast that they're an early adopter of, of creating information printed at the time that was designed to educate and inform their their customers in the marketplace, right? So they're, they're, Absolutely. it's in their DNA bringing it forward. And as you're talking, I'm thinking technology really has made that process so much more uh, rich for a company to use. Let's, let's turn our attention to um, small and middle market companies. So the audience sure. that tends to listen to Critical Mass Radio Show and podcasts tend to be CEOs of companies with you know a couple million to about $100 million in annual revenue. Is this strategy appropriate for them? Can they can they use this technology this technology and this experience based marketing to do the same thing that larger brands and companies are doing and not only can they, they w- our research finds that they actually do it in 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 a higher percentage really um and and there are really two reasons for that that we find one is is because it's usually easier to pivot a smaller company than it is some of these larger brands that are stuck in tv ad spend and and radio ad spend and print ad spend and sort of classical you know, campaign-focused marketing, and it's harder for them to pivot out of this. Um, the second reason is, is because, quite frankly, they don't have the money to spend. They 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 are they're working off of leaner budgets. Um, I'll give you two examples. I mean, I mean, sort of at the extremes of the of the spectrum you just set up. One, a company just at the hundred million dollar mark. And I love this example because it's the most unsexy thing that you can possibly think of because a lot of people will go, oh, it's content. Well, it has to be sexy and cool and interesting. Well, this is a company called Indium, and they sell soldering equipment, soldering and soldering equipment. And before I started learning about Indium, I didn't know that there were 17 different flavors of solder, but there are. And they have a blog. They've created a blog for each individual flavor of solder. So they call it from one engineer to another. And it's basically an online platform that basically creates 17 different blogs. This is a small company that creates 17 different blogs for engineers to have conversations with other engineers to develop educational training, how-tos, basically saving them tons of times in research. 
and having a conversation with knowledgeable engineers. And they hire writers to create better versions of this, et cetera, et cetera. But it's actually with the 17 different blogs, if you said who's the biggest media company in soldering, I'd tell you it's not a media company. It's actually Indium. They now translate that blog into uh, six different languages, all 17 of them into six different languages because they've now moved to an international market as well. They're producing 700% year-over-year lead increases by using this from one engineer to another um, platform as their sort of main marketing outbound effort. Another example at the very, very other extreme, another Southern California wonderful example here is Press Juicery. Um, I don't know if you've ever had a juice from Press Juicery. They're really great. Um, And this is an entrepreneur who started a company by writing a book. Basically, his journey about how he lost weight, you know, um, basically using juices as a means of doing that and fresh juices as a means of doing that, Mm -hmm. wrote a book, created this wonderful content with recipes and how-tos and how to do your own juice and all of that brought to you by the Press Juicery and then created an online digital version of that that's called The Chalkboard, which is an online blog that not only talks about recipes of juices but also fitness tips as well as uh, food diet tips as well as lifestyle um, and all that sort of thing written by wonderful journalists and writers and it's a whole online experience and they started both of those efforts as their main means of marketing when they were still only spending maybe $20,000 a year on on marketing and it's an incredible example of somebody who's expanded by using the creation of an audience and a community through the creation of content to drive the other elements of their marketing such as advertising and in-store and, and all the point-of-purchase display that they do. We're talking with Robert Rose. He is, uh, well, we're talking with him specifically about his latest book, which is The Seventh Era, Experiences, The Seventh Era of Marketing. Robert, words have meaning, and even the way you, you speak, you're using different words than traditional marketing might have, in the sense that uh, you, I've, I lost count on how many times you've said the audience, and then this concept of being a media company. So could, could you help a small business, middle market company, lower middle market company, CEO, understand um, what you mean in content marketing around, around the idea of understanding your audience and kind of approaching it as a media company. Sure. So marketing going all the way back to its very, very origins is a very, very simple concept. It is simply how do I get my message in front of an audience or a basically a group of people that resonates with them to the point where they're persuaded or influenced to do something that I want them to do? That's been marketing's basic mantra forever and ever and ever. Can't, what is the most effective way for me to get my message in front of somebody that persuades them to do what I want them to do? Come into my store, buy now, download this coupon, whatever it is. And so when we look at that, we say, great, the increase in friction of that reach and frequency, the classic thing that we were taught as marketers, the increase in that friction has been exponential as digital audiences have fragmented across so many different platforms, mobile, social, web, all of the different places that audiences now aggregate, Facebook, Twitter, all the different places that they now consume content have now been really completely fragmented from where we used to put our dollars to get that message, which were quite simply print, television, and radio. That mm-hmm. was the only things we had to worry about as marketers. We need Those are the three things. Now we have hundreds, if not thousands, of met- methods to do that. So that friction is very high. What that does is it means that getting the attention of that consumer is precious. 
Once we get it, we better hold it. And so, as you mentioned early on in the show, the idea of this technology has really democratized this idea of becoming our own media company. We no longer have to rent the eyeballs from a online digital magazine. We can actually go become the digital online magazine. One of my uh, uh, colleagues has said this really well. He says, look, as advertisers and marketers, we can try and interrupt people. Uh, in the thing that they're interested in, or we can actually go become the thing that they're interested in. And so that's the real opportunity that we have is to go become the thing that they're interested in, build them as an audience, and then measure them against what other people do. Isn't what we typically find is, is that audience will do things in a greater preponderance to the things that we want them to do. They usually buy more, they buy faster, they stay longer, and they're easier to reach. And if, if even only for that reason alone, it's a good business case to say, you know what, if it's easier to reach them, it's worth doing in some, in some capacity. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you, you, you got me excited to the point that I wanted, I wanted to ask you if you could, and we're talking with Robert Rose here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Um, that requires the company to know clearly who that audience is, yeah, right? Yes. And, and so can, can you just, from your experience and, and from your book and the work that you've done helping companies to do this, can you just help us get a sense for what is required to really be clear about who your audience is that you're targeting? It's such a great question. I mean, it's, 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 it's maybe the question because, quite frankly, marketers historically have not done a terribly good job at this. Um, we have pretended like we know what we're doing here. We run segmentation studies and we do demographics and we do all kinds of research and try and study that we're looking for men 18 to 34 and who are in the market for a bow and arrow, right? And we look at, you know, we look at those as segmented audiences and then we go, great. Which television network, which print magazine, which newspaper targets men 18 to 34, and we'll put it in the sports section, and that's how we'll do targeting. Understanding an audience is much different. It's understanding people as people, and we have to understand not only what makes them a good buyer, we have to understand what makes them what makes them tick, what makes them what adds value to their life. Because it's we need to not only understand them as a potential buyer of our product or service, we need to understand how we can add value through some sort of content driven experience. It's a different process. It's much more looking at an audience as a means of research and and and, and understanding them as people than it is as a target market. We certainly need to do the the latter there. We need to understand them as a target market, and I come out of product marketing, so I understand the idea of unique value propositions and unique sales propositions and finding those things. That's an important aspect. But if we're going to expand into this idea of experiences, we have to know more about them than just how they feel about our product. We have to know more about them as people and how they deal with life. I'm always looking for comparative advantages for lower middle market companies over their larger competitors because many times, many this is of, one of them for sure, right? And, and, and because I think the CEO and the president, rather than making it a research project, they actually know their clients personally many times. I mean, they oh, they, exactly. they you can put a name on it and they'll go, yeah, that's he's I know him or her because I have a relationship with them. So I think this is one of the benefits to smaller companies of using content marketing and thinking about an audience because there's there's more of a personal relationship that's already the foundation for doing that work. 
Yeah, it's exactly right. I mean, it's also, by the way, one of the advantages that we have over the media companies as well. Mm. So, you know, so getting to the idea of becoming a media company, one of the things that we shouldn't lose sight of is that, quite frankly, media companies need that generalized sets of eyeballs or ears. And we don't as businesses. We need a very small, finite directly targeted audience that we deliver specific value to to make them want to do something. In other words, I don't care if I have 100,000 visitors to my website. If you tell me I'll get 10,000 who care about what I have to offer, I'm much more interested in the 10,000 than I am the 100,000 because I'm not selling advertising. I'm not selling sponsorships. I'm actually trying to move a product or service. We're talking with Robert Rose here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. And, uh, Robert, we're going to take a an audience. We're going to take a, a very short break here, just like the last one, just as short as the last break. When we come back, I'd, I'd like to go back into a little bit more. Co- There's so much in your book that is that is so applicable to this audience. We're not, ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to be able to get to all of it. You're, gonna, I, I strongly encourage you to uh, consider buying his book and reading it yourself because you'll get so much more. But I'd, I'd like to talk about you and Carla kind of suggest that the four Ps, which you mentioned earlier here, needs to be rethought. And, and you cite research that introduces a slightly different framework, and it's called SAVE. So ladies and gentlemen, we're going to make this digestible, but I, I'd like you to maybe just take us through at a high level kind of what that acronym uh, stands for and, and its role in the evolution of marketing, okay? Happy to. All right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this word from something else. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitment in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. We have the pleasure, I have the pleasure of interviewing Robert Rose about his latest book, Experiences, The Seventh Era of Marketing. And by the way, we love reviews of our show and podcast on your favorite podcasting software. This is a great way for you to help me have our other people find our show. So if you see value in it, I would ask, and I'd greatly appreciate if you take a few minutes uh, and just write a short review about the program. It helps us to reach a larger audience. All right, Robert, let's get back and can you sort of set up the what the SAVE acronym means and why is it appropriate for business owners and CEOs of middle market companies? It's such a wonderful question. And, you know, so this came out of um, a, you know, so the, the classic four Ps, product, place, price, and promotion are, you know, the classic marketing mantra for, you know, the last 60 years. And what we found was is that there's this wonderful new model being uh, being offered up. And this is not our model. This is one that we found, actually, through, quite frankly, someone who's a friend of the book and, and someone we who actually wrote the foreword to our book, Eduardo Conrado, who is the chief innovation officer at uh, Motorola and has done amazing things in transforming that company um, from – and this isn't the Motorola that Google owns. It's the other side of Motorola, the more enterprise side um, of transforming technology 
technology, marketing, and sales, as he calls them, into a customer experience team. And he offered with a few co-authors in Harvard Business Review this idea of SAVE, S-A-V-E, as a replacement for the four Ps. And the S is for solution, which is instead of product, we're actually looking at a basically a network of products or a solution that offers. And you hear this a lot, and certainly in B2B circles, to offering the solution instead of a product to a particular customer's need or want. So it becomes a combination of things, including content, by the way, that offers that solution. The A is access, which is really instead of the idea of reach, it's really figuring out and developing an integrated cross-channel sets of media, whether it's paid, earned, or owned media, your blog, your website, etc., as a means of collecting those people into channels that they want to hear from you, this idea of opt-in and accessing them, and that being one of the true values there. That brings us to the V, which is the value, which is developing value at every single step along the way. How do we – that becomes the question – How do we deliver value to the consumer at every single step along their journey from the first time they meet us to the time that they become a customer to the time that they become loyal, upsold, cross-sold, and ultimately, hopefully, evangelical in the way that they can spread the message through word of mouth across all those social platforms that, quite frankly, we'll never have the capacity to be on. And that brings us to the E, which is the focus on education, really focusing on educating our customers, our audiences throughout the process. And this really brings into a couple of different ideas, but, you know, certainly at its core, it's really the delivery of value through helping rather than selling customers through a particular process. I really like the, you know, Clayton Christensen has this uh, framework called the jobs to be done framework where they say basically customers hire your business to get a job done. Understanding that job to be done from the customer is truly what your business is in the business of doing. And that is really how we – if we can educate customers on the how and the why, they're really getting that job done. Classic example, one of my marketing heroes, Theodore Levitt, used to say people don't buy a hammer or a nail. What they're buying is is a hole in the wall. And so how do we actually educate them to getting the best hole in the wall is adding that education and value to them. So that's the save model rather than the four Ps as an operational function for experiential marketing rather than sort of product-based marketing. We're talking with Robert Rose. And I, you know, one of the other things that you write, and I think it's kind of provocative, maybe not, but maybe you can explain a little bit more to our audience. You write <laughs> that the, the buyer's journey will no longer be a guided tour. So let, yes. let's first of all... Uh, define the buyer's journey, and then tell us why, in your research, you you see it no longer as a guided tour by the by the supplier by the company. Well, it's just too darn complicated. I mean, it's you know, so the buyer's journey is basically all of the different decision steps that a buyer will make along the journey of making the decision in your favor for your business or your you know your product, your solution, and so. In many cases, you know, it may, you know, on a B2C side, it may be very transactional. So it may be very, very few steps. Buying a piece of chewing gum or something like that is obviously much less terms of consideration and and number of steps involved than buying a jet engine or how a committee will buy a generator or something like that for their business. And so your business will be very, very different from another business in terms of the buyer's journey and in terms of what they go through. The classic approach these days and maybe to your point about why this is a little provocative is 
what you've got a lot of people out there doing is saying you've got to create content at every single step. Right. You've got to make sure that you're addressing every single step along the way to guide them through that particular journey in the in the way that's most favorable to you. And what Carl and I believe wholeheartedly and passionately is you never will do it. You you just won't. It's not realistic. It's not something that you'll actually do. And so what we're saying is if you can become strategically differentiated at a few of them, one or two or four of them, now you've got something that's worth using. You've got something that's not only realistic and achievable in your business, but you've got something where if I can become basically differentiated and completely remarkable at one step of that buyer's journey to the only point is that they want to have another with me. In other words, I'm not just some sort of, meh, that was an okay experience. It was different. I mean, it was remarkable, that experience. What's going to happen is on the other side of it, that customer is going to say, how do I have another one with that company? And if I can continue that across three big areas, basically maybe just the awareness, the nurturing, and the loyalty area, now I'm doing a lot more for my business than trying to be a little bit good across every micro decision that they might make in terms of buying my product or service. So what we're saying, it's not a guided tour anymore. You're never going to guide them across every step. What you're hoping to do is provide big beacons of light at a few strategic steps so that they can find their own way. So some... Some in the audience may react to this to the idea that it has to be remarkable that that the bar is so high wow i don 't know that I want to do that because i 'm not sure I have the ability to to create remarkable experiences anywhere on the buyer 's journey in, in your work with other companies and, and the research that you 've seen i mean can you can you help us to get comfortable with the idea that we actually have the ability to create remarkable experiences? Well, I firmly look. I'm a I'm a glasses. You know, I'm not even a glasses half full kind of guy. I'm a glasses fully full kind of guy. Okay. So, so okay. I firmly believe that any business that is in business has the ability to make people passionate about what it is they're selling. And and so and if you can't, I, I don't know why you're in business to begin <laughs> with. If you know, if you, so right. so that notwithstanding. If we can, if we feel passionate about what it is we do for a living and what it is we actually offer into the marketplace, great. Now it is, what can we create to make people feel as passionate and wonderful and joyous and informed and educated as we do? Now you're right. You there, there are great many subject matter experts out there in businesses that aren't great writers and aren't great content creators, but there are great content creators out there, and they can certainly help you form, mesh you know mold something into something that is great and it does the the thing that gets lost is so many people have been like well if you're not blogging every day you're doing it wrong or if you're not doing this every single hour you're doing it wrong and that's just bad advice the consistency is way more important the consistency and the quality is way more important than the velocity and quantity and if you can do something that is really good consistently once a week or once a month or once a quarter, you'll be much better off than trying to do something mediocre every single day. We're talking with Robert Rose. We're talking about a lot of things around content marketing, but specifically we're looking at some of the um, content that's in his book, Experiences, The Seventh Era of Marketing. And and I'm not going to try to requote you, but I'm going to ask you to discuss briefly your philosophy 
on how much content should a small or middle market company create? Because you have a phrase that I that I uh, really like. I just don't want to try to rephrase it in my own words. I'd rather you say it, Robert. <laughs> well, you're very kind for remembering that. I mean, so I think what you're getting at is what I used to say. There, I used to get this question quite a bit um, at conferences and workshops. And what my answer used to be a couple of years ago was as much as you can be great at, just to the point of our previous conversation. So as much content as you can be great at. I have since revised that answer because I think that's actually bad advice. Okay. I think the advice is as little as you can to get the impact that you need. And so – you know, I have too much money and too much time on my hands. Said no CEO or <laughs> head of marketing ever in the history of mankind. Right. And so we've got other things we need to do. And as we're, you know, as we're fond of saying, um, this is not a replacement. We're not suggesting that you replace advertising or that you replace SEO or that you replace direct marketing with this. This content marketing and creating customer experiences makes things better. They make things really much better. So do all those things and really integrate it into your overall strategy. So do as little of it as you can to get the impact that you really want. And I, um, hearing that, I sort of feel some of the tension that gets relieved from smaller companies who go, man, that editorial calendar, it's like, you know, I, every day I have to do a blog post. I have to be interesting. I have to be on all these different platforms. And your message, which is look for the places where what I hear you saying is look for the places where you can create a memorable experience and do it really well. And that's more important than holding yourself accountable to some editorial calendar that ends up becoming a burden. And sometimes you, you don't perform against it. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, so I'll just give you a quick example. My own editorial calendar. I'm going to create probably five pieces this year. Now, out of those five pieces, those five pieces, by the way, will be I hope good. I mean, we'll see, but I, I hope they're good. They're at least well thought out. They're well crafted, and I spend a lot of time on them. Out of those five pieces, I'll get four or five or ten pieces that I can basically be derivative out of those pieces. And so, you know, I may create four or five larger pieces in a year that themselves create four or five different pieces themselves. And so I'll get 25 or 30 different content pieces out of just four big ideas. And that's the idea here is just to pull people into your big ideas using lots of little iterations of those big ideas to pull people into them. And so stop beating yourself up trying to come up with you know a novel every week for your blog post and really just get into the idea of creating creating something big, and then lots of little iterations out, out of it. And for CEOs that are running middle market companies and you're listening to this interview, I think this should not only be interesting and almost fun experience for your audience, it could also be fun for you and your department. It, it should be fun in some ways, right? I mean, there should be a certain amount of – this is an experience you're having with an audience. With, oh, it's, it's way more it's way more interesting to figure out how to tell one wonderful educational stories than it is to try and figure out what the next A-B test is on your conversion rate of your last you know, Google ad. And I'm gonna, Trust me. I'm going to have you stay for one more segment here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast because you, you, you left it right where I wanted – uh, to ask you about, which is the importance of storytelling as it relates to experiences for your audience. So can we, when we come back, can we talk about storytelling? Of course. All right. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We're having an interview here on Critical Mass Radio Show with Robert Rose, and we'll be right back after this final word from our sponsor, which is me. 
Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. You know, a great way to stay informed about our guests is to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Simply go to our website, criticalmassforbusiness.com, and at the bottom of any page, have any page, is the join our mailing list box. Simply type in your email address, hit subscribe, and like magic, you'll start receiving our weekly newsletter with content about the great guests that we're able to get here on the podcast. Um, I, In the spirit of full disclosure, I am a huge fan of not only this concept of content marketing, but the work that Robert and Joe Polizzi do to help people understand that. So if you if you're not if if you're listening to us as a podcast and you're not subscribing to this old marketing podcast, PNR, Polizzi and Rose, you, you need to subscribe to that because the, the weekly messages and the conversations that those two gentlemen have are so illuminating around this uh, concept that I think you'll find it well worth the time invested. So I appreciate the fact you're giving us a bit of your uh, precious time here on the on the podcast. But Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. I, well, and can I return the compliment and just tell you the Killing Cats title is, is maybe my favorite title of a book ever i just absolutely adore that title so much so well thank you kudos right back to you my friend oh there you go so let's let's bring the idea of storytelling into how that works with experience-based marketing and content marketing robert sure well and 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 there is you know storytelling these days is one of those things where it is an over overused buzzword to be sure i mean it is getting it is getting used abused misused all of the above one of the things that i learned you know and so i came out of i you know i came out of university with an english literature degree and moved to hollywood and i was going to be a writer right so i moved you know i i worked in the entertainment business and so you know none of that worked out so i got into marketing so <laughs> yay for me and so the, but what I learned from those, from both my English lit professors as well as my screenwriting professors here, were that a story at the end of the day is simply an argument. And it's an argument that's well told, convincing, and does so in an entertaining or informative way. And if you think about the great stories throughout time, that's exactly what they are. The why of the story, right? So if we look at something like my fav- one of my favorites, Shawshank Redemption, right? It, what is it a story about? It's a story about hope. And you should always know that hope is still alive. And it takes you the entire two hours to get there, but you absolutely believe and are convinced by the end of that that movie. And so that's what a story is. And so what we're trying to do ultimately is add value to a customer, our consumer, in a business and argue a point that we want them to believe whether it's our approach to solving their need or want or whether it's something about helping them do something that naturally our product or service would help them do or whatever it is, what we're trying to do is add value to their lives that's separate from our product and service but do so in a convincing, entertaining, informative way and tell them that 
and and ultimately have them go, yes, now I'm a believer, so I want more of it. I want I want you to tell me more. I want to subscribe to what it is you're actually you're actually giving me. And that's as simple as it gets. And 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 ultimately that is hopefully what marketing is really at the end of the day. But usually in marketing, we're doing so in such a salesy, over-the-top way that we forget that it's really about adding informative, entertaining information to the consumer's life. And that's storytelling. And when you interrupt their train of thought or it's something that they're enjoying, even if you have a great story, the likelihood that they're going to be receptive to it, I think, is lower than if you find it organically. And the story doesn't have to be very long either, right? I mean, we're not talking about having to write an episodic kind of a story here. It can be very short messages, but told in a way that's interesting. Of course. That, and that's exactly it, right? Just exactly what you said. They, they, we come to it. We, we find the best stories based on anticipated delight when we come to it, right? That's, when I talk about audiences, I, that's the difference between an audience and a community. Hmm. And a community gathers based on a shared experience, right? You're not a fan of Star Wars until you actually go see the movie. And now you're a fan of the movie and you join other people and you dress up in costumes and you go to Comic-Con and you do the thing. You're part of that community audiences gather before the experience they actually gather based on the anticipated experience you you go to the play you go to the concert you go to the lecture hall you go to the blog you go to the newspaper you subscribe to the magazine you do so based on the anticipated experience either based on a previous experience you've had before that's like it or based on something that you've heard about that's like it, and you ultimately want that value, and you're hoping for that value, and you organically go there. It is rare that you are interrupted in your daily life with an amazing story that you go, i got to hang around for this. <laughs> and so it's really becoming it, – it, it, it is why, ultimately, this idea of customer experience and content marketing – when you start talking about the development of it, looks much more like a product development methodology than it does actually campaigns or advertising because you're actually developing something that should itself be promoted and ultimately you know, used like a product because it's an experience that adds value to your customer. Well, I am sorry to say that we are officially out of time here on the podcast radio <laughs> show. It has gone – for me, it's flown by. I hope the audience feels the same way, and if you like what you've heard – Please let some friends know that you've heard this interview with Robert Rose on Critical Mass Radio Show and tell a friend, and maybe they'll tell a friend as well. If someone now listening to the show feels ready to go out and, and buy the book and read the book, how do you suggest they find your book, Robert? Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that plug. Um, you know, the easiest way to, to, to get a hold of me or the book is just to go to the website, um, which is uh, there are there are two here that I'll mention, robertrose.net, if you're not in the mood to write something down, the seventh uh, era of seventh era of marketing.com both spelled out and seven th era of marketing.com is the book website so either of those will get you to uh to where you'd like to be if you uh, if you'd like to read more well i want to thank you for the time you've given us today i want to uh welcome you to the critical mass community and and thank you for being a friend of the radio show podcast robert rose it's been totally enjoyable having you on the show today Absolutely my pleasure, my friend, and any time. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that does it for this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I'd like to thank our engineer for today, Paul Roberts. Our producers are Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you'd like to learn more about the radio show, the podcast, or the firm that I run, check out criticalmass4forbusiness.com. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show. 
focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 